Welcome to For the Culture Podcast, where we and our guests discuss our lived experiences in science. This podcast explores how our work and mere presence impact our culture today. This podcast is an unfiltered conversation and really more of a therapy session where we can vent and um, hopefully the audience can benefit from our experiences. This podcast provides a platform for emerging and current scientists to discuss their development as individuals and community leaders in order to help and improve our culture. All right, welcome back. Welcome back to episode two of season three. Uh, we have Mr. Alex Murr with us. Um, he's he's formerly worked in management con, consulting, and he currently has his his own company, uh, looking to to help uh, up and up and coming professionals to break in in uh, two six figure uh, earning jobs. Um, and that also has a DNI focus and a and a and a productivity and a productivity tool that comes along uh, with their packages. Um, so we've had him. So we're going to have him on to talk more about that, um, some more about his his background in business, um, as, as well as some uh, points of of intersectionality that 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 has with STEM. And with um, scientists working in the in the field of STEM, uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome, Mr. Alex Murr, to the for the for the culture podcast show. We got we got sound effects, you know. Right, right. Right. That's really cool. Weird. I stopped chemistry after high school. I'm done with this. <laughs> All right. Uh, so maybe you can start by uh, actually that's a nice segue. So what got you in into business? Since that's where um, I had actually met you at the Goldman Sachs under undergraduate camp. Um, so maybe you can you can give us some some background on how you got there and what you've been doing since. Yeah. So. Um, the biggest thing is that I, 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 so early in life, like 14, my mom was complaining about her job. She worked in retail and I was like, man, you know, I really want to, you know, I'm, I'm upset about how my mom's feeling about her job. Right. Kind of anybody would feel that way. And at Cornell, they had a major called industrial labor relations, which was all about the world of work. So my first thought was, hey, I want to be a labor attorney. Let me go to this, this school. Um, and it had uh, a, a, a degree that really focused, at least in the beginning, what I was really interested in was the geopolitics of work. So intern for the Teamsters Union, intern for the United Nations uh, Child Labor Office, uh, intern for the Department of Labor, right? So I was all about like workers' rights kind of in, in the beginning, right? In, in the most traditional sense. Um, once, you know, Kofi and I met at this Goldman Sachs camp and um, that was kind of my first time thinking about, I guess, uh, finance. And once I got out of school, I started to work for a different type of worker, right? So white collar workers and they have problems too. And their problems are more associated with what would be change management, right? So 
a management consultant for like Ernst Young and KPMG where I work, we're thinking about, hey, how do we make this workforce actually use this new technology that was purchased? The technology costs $10 million. We need these workers to use it, right? How do we recruit people? How do we, you know, for, for let's say these scientists that are here, right? How do we find the right person to do this job? There's a cost associated with finding talent like you. Typically, it might be 20% of your salary. So uh, these are things where I said in the beginning, it was all about men. My mother is being, I think she's being treated unfairly. Um, that was kind of my entry into like the geopolitics of worker rights. Then, you know, going to more corporate side of, of this worker management, this labor and management relationship, you know, I realized, well, she went through a bad transition in that company and they didn't have the right change management in place, um, really. So my, my knowledge increased, my language, vocabulary to diagnose issues increased, right? Um, so in, in conclusion, the way we are right now in this world, people are so much more into, hey, the future of work, what's going to be happening, right? And so HR is now close, I would say closer and closer to being really the focal point of this of the C-suite. You know, typically with most of our guests, we kind of want to dig a little bit deeper into uh, their background, their inspiration, which you you kind of alluded to was your mother. And I, I think I think we all have personal inspirations that kind of lead us to the path that we eventually get to maybe not, maybe not as direct uh, for some people, but could you, you, you did speak about like how, you know, science wasn't your thing and you realized that early, like, were there other things you tried before you really, you know, got into the business side of things or what did you know going in that this is kind of like the direction or the kind of discipline that you're, you're more interested in versus sports or anything else? So I was never anti-science. I just don't think the way, I think I probably didn't have good teachers, to be honest, right? Mm -hmm. So that were making me see the benefits of it, right? Um, to go further, you know, who knows? Maybe I would have been good in it, maybe not. I don't know. But early on, you know, I was like high school, I was into like, you know, law, things that had to do with speaking, to be honest, right? So I played basketball, varsity basketball. Hey, I can get a scholarship out of this. Um, or, you know, I did the whole mock trial legal thing, you know, um, and so I did get this off with Cornell, but, you know, like I described at once I got there, I was really into like the, um, it, it was almost like a tug of war between what we would say doing well and doing good. And so I think you could do both, but, you know, all the things I was interested in were more like these policy things. And it just so happens now, at least the way I look at the world is like, Hey, those experiences that I've had, you know, when I'm speaking to someone like an executive and like they want coaching, right? It's like, I understand, you know, the business. I Like when I'm talking to someone, I understand, even if I don't understand your exact role that you're doing, the technical aspect of your role, I understand how it matters to the bigger picture or how to listen that out of you, right? How to make you think about how does it impact supply chain? How does what you do impact marketing? How does what you do impact, you know, government, right? And so that sense of awareness, I think, has gotten me into a lot of different conversations, a lot of different rooms. Um, uh, and that what people would say that 
consultative approach to talking to people, um, which allows you to diagnose problems and hopefully sell something to solve that problem, right? Getting someone comfortable to tell you what their problem is, that's a skill in itself. Getting someone to feel comfortable and vulnerable to say, you know, I've, I've been doing this for, for six months and I, 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 I need help, right? And then making someone feel comfortable that, hey, I'm gonna take you through this over 90 days, six months or whatever. And here's what, you know, we or my team can do, you know, my network. And I think that's a big thing. And I'll, I'll stop talking there, but, you know, it's not just Alex is helping you or where I currently work. It's really all the relationships that I have to bring to solve this problem. You know, it's almost like I'm an army of one, you know, that keeps getting longer, that army gets bigger and bigger with more relationships. Just as a follow-up question, could you paint that picture a little bit clearer for like our audience? Like, can you give like a, maybe a general example of something in the past that you've done, maybe helping that scientist or person kind of yeah. solve that issue? Yeah, so I can share like um, my screen, right? So, you know, this person, um, uh, so I'll start with this. This is a STEM person, right? So the biggest thing I would say is oftentimes when talking to a, a scientific person, um, they're very cautious about one uh, saying that they're what exactly they're solving, right? They don't want to say they're attacking cancer, diabetes. Uh, what are these major, you know, layman terms? It's very scientific, which is I understand. I understand more about um, the training that you guys have had and the conservative nature that you've been brought up under, right? Um, However, to get other people to understand what you're doing, right, we've got to make it, hey, I'm pursuing, you know, or I'm tackling issues in diabetes, right? And then we could get into fossil triphage and essays and all of this other stuff, right? That's not my specialty, but we've got to, you know, have some type of communication there. The next piece, like I would tell, is people that, you know, how they explain themselves. So I always use the example that, you know, one person says they're a burger flipper and the other one person says, I'm the number one burger flipper in Atlanta. I specialize in the Whopper. I make 2000 burgers a month. And that represents, you know, 3 million in sales. These two people are doing the same exact job, right? And we can compare that to if it was a lab, like essays and, you know, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, the basic concept is these two people are in the same occupation, but one of them, you can clearly see that I could take them to a conference. I could take them to another setting. They understand why this lab is important, right? So in conclusion, some people can only talk to the, let's say the requirements of the work that they're doing but what, why are you doing this, right? How does this matter to your lab manager or the person that's funding this, right? Because what you can be doing could be a lot different if you understand the why. If you only understand these requirements that you're filling, and some people don't even understand that, but that's very limited, right? I see Ian's laughing, <laughs> laughing a lot. 
<laughs> no, that that's so real though. <laughs> I think we're all been in that uh been in that chair at one point along the journey. But uh, please continue. Yeah, so you know, a lot of this is I think it's I think like I'll definitely whenever you want me to share a screen, I'll share, but a lot of this I what I notice is the scientists experience is so on some ways so beaten down, right? Because it's so much of hey, we want to you know, you to operate in this very specific way, which is needed for the scientific method. But there's also these norms that I just pointed out, right? Usually not very vocal, not challenging authority, not presenting new ideas. And when I when I talk to people, because my position, you know, I'm not, you know, beholden to any lab or any, I'm not even a scientist, right? I'm talking about these organizational dynamics, these people dynamics. And people will tell me like, yeah, you know, and these are people who are like heading labs and they'll say, you know, it is true that the, the way I got ahead in my career, right, that I, I needed this one's professor's approval of my, my dissertation, right, or, or, or advisor, right? Um, you know, I, ha- I only had two conferences to go to the year. It's totally different now, right, um, where you have a podcast you can do. You can promote your own research, you could, you know, I could show you how to find all the different scientists in your specific domain expertise, right? Because when you're at a PhD level, there's probably maybe 500 to up to a thousand other PhDs within your specific discipline globally. And if you really wanted to, you could find all of them, right? And start to develop that rapport. And who cares what's going on with your campus? Or that's, you know, very limited, right? Those then those relationships there at your campus or at your job or whatever, they're not so like, man, if I ruffle these feathers, it's over for me. So pretty much we're we're in a global world now. We gotta realize that like don't limit yourself. And we have Twitter. (laughs) When you feel like you have options, you act a little differently, you know. It's not that you're Mm -hmm. gonna be a monster, but you know. You know, you could feel like this is the right answer. What I'm saying, can you? Can we please revisit this? Yep. Oh, you have to. You have to break the snow globe, so to speak. <laughs> that you know, uh, STEM training kind of puts our minds in. Uh, so on 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 that same vein, like, what are some skills um, that that you would recommend that? uh scientists in in training you know all the way up to um postdocs um pis etc uh would you know should be looking to develop um that would that would help them to um you know earn earn more money be maybe maybe through different streams of income um getting a patent um Getting getting better jobs, you know. Uh, what are what are some some uh, skills uh, that you say we should work on? I think one of the things like that mindset, right? And so let me show you this document. You know, this is going to be someone else, right? Um, this is this is actually an IT professional, but I'll. It's the same principle for right now. Um, so, you know, what I try to help people do is is figure out how can they you know, this, and let me, what can I do here, right? So this document is, I took this person's resume, right? And I said, 
hey, we can make a whole PowerPoint presentation out of this, right? We can present you as the product. You are, you know, think about yourself as a $100,000 product and someone saying, hey, I want to purchase this product for five years, right? And so in 15 minutes, right, you've got to kind of convince them that you're worth, even subconsciously, right? This is a half a million dollar conversation, right? And not to make you feel nervous, but if you approach it with that mentality of, hey, I'm going to present myself as a product, right? So, hey, here's what I want to talk about, right? And I'll just kind of take you through it quickly. But, you know, here's the agenda, you know, executive bio highlights, work experience, technical skills, education. And it's really now taking what is a traditional resume, which is black and white. Nobody wants to look at that as much anymore and saying, hey, if I'm going to be presenting um, oops, at you know, an interview, talking to board of directors, I want a promotion, I'm going to a conference, I want to do an email campaign, right, whatever, or LinkedIn post, right? Let me start to have something that says, boom, here's my one slide about, here's my, you know, little bio, the key skills I have. Let me throw in some logos so you can quickly see, you know, what I'm associated with, right? Um, you know, let's go through and say, hey, I want to take you through one slide on what I've done in training and learning and development, right? So after you, what I would try to take people through is an exercise where we develop their top 20 career stories. And then we could put it, you know, into this fashion where now for this person, you know, they can say, hey, I will just want to, I want to send you an you can take a screenshot of this and just send it as a text to someone. A lot of times people don't even feel that you can just have, in the world we live in right now, you could start texting with a superior or a colleague, a peer, and just saying, hey, haven't heard from you in a while. What do you think about this one, you know, I don't want to say slide, but, you know, what do you think about this that I'm showing you, right? So, and it's just a, it's necessarily another reminder of why I didn't know you could do this, right? Um, you know, going further, you know, this is like, you know, where this, this person works and we're showing some select wins. And the biggest thing here is that even from a STEM perspective, right? They're putting what they're doing in a business context, you know, um, how many people they trained, who they support, like the leadership that they support, um, how did they use Python, Java, et cetera? I know there's not, some of this might not be relative to people who are not in computational science, but I hope you're just seeing how something can be presented, right? And I'll show you the other person who is actually in the science field. But Lawrence, you know, what is your reaction to, you know, what I showed you so far here? Yeah, everything, everything that I need to know, I feel as if, if you know, HR or, a recruiter, it says it all without me having to say anything. What do you I think? think? Oh, no, go yeah. ahead, Lord. I'm sorry. Yeah, and just to follow up, I think it's uh, just thinking about how to create that from a scientific from a scientific perspective, like depending on where you're at, if you're early career stage, if you're mid-career stage, you know, this may look different or maybe you may not have as many, as many, quote unquote, select wins. Like, how do you work with um, clients that, you, that, that, that they feel 
may not have as many wins as as this as, as you've shown so that's a very common thing right often people think it's like it's it's well some people might think hey this is just for executives or hey this is for early career people one thing i'll say with early career professionals they don't think they have a lot of wins but the reality is it's just relative to where you are right mm-hmm. these these let me stop sharing this these wins are you know relative to your stage in the career right so Hey, if you know how to ride a tricycle, then, you know, that's what we're telling people. You know how to ride a tricycle compared to your peers. You know, that's what people are doing. Right. But it's what you did with that tricycle. I know how to ride a tricycle down a mountain. This person knows how to ride a tricycle on ice. Right. I know how to ride a tricycle over fire. Right. So which person, you know, would you want to, you know, speak to, for example, um, with the, what's interesting is with the, someone who have like 20 years of experience, they probably haven't written a resume in seven years because they're so, you know, in their career that they probably had, like in the old world where people weren't using LinkedIn as much, right? Or, or moving, having as much movement in their career, right? Um, uh, they just haven't had, had a need to but now they're starting to recognize, like, what am I missing out on? How come my friends are getting approached on LinkedIn about opportunities? Do I have, even when someone approaches me, what do I have to say back? Right? I'm in a, a lot of times, I'm helping someone right now where it's their dream job. The, the post has been on, 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 online for 30 days. They have someone that's giving them a direct contact, you know, to the, to the employer. They're like, hey, help this person. And, you know, they're in a state of panic, you know, because it is their dream, but they don't have the documents ready to present all the knowledge that they have. So can you actually tell us a little bit more about what um, STEM STEM professionals should be doing on LinkedIn? Like, is it as simple as just uh, putting your resume on there and, and, and keeping that up? to date year by year, you know, should we be posting monthly or, or you know, what 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 would you recommend, um, you know, that we do in order uh, to best market our, ourselves for that, you know, quote unquote dream job? Um, good question. I think you have to like, just get more and more assertive on there, right? Like if you see a, a, a CEO, or a principal investigator, that's more relative terminology here, right? You see a principal investigator made a comment somewhere. There's nothing stopping you from saying, hey, that's a great comment. Would you like to talk, you know, Monday for 15 minutes? Here's my LinkedIn. I'm sorry, here's my Calendly account. This is the world we live in, right? It's no longer like, man, this is the principal investigator. I can't say anything to this person. They don't work in my lab. What if the person in my lab finds out about this? And for one, you probably won't be in this, in this current world, you probably won't be working somewhere for more than two to three years. So by the time you get in there, within 18 months, you're starting to think about, or someone's approaching you, right, about another opportunity, right? Six months looking out, right? To Does that make 24 months? Yeah, two years, right? So, um, so when you put it in context like that, you know, you're always, um, you know, you could be daily going on LinkedIn, 
Follow, so number one, let me make it a little simpler, right? So uh, not being afraid to comment when you see other people commenting. Number two, you can go on someone's like someone page that you're interested in and you can go on their activity section and you can see what they've been posting on, right? What, what they have been doing. And that could be an entry point because obviously they like to talk about that particular article. Number two or number three, I would, I would suggest that you invest um, about $200 a month, right? Uh, into the, there's a LinkedIn sales navigator, right? There are these other premium LinkedIn accounts, right? So you can see who's looking at your account. So you can see what state people are at. Um, so you can send you, um, what you would call in messages or private messages without being someone's connection, right? So, you know, LinkedIn has created a platform, um, but, you know, I don't think people are, they don't know what to, to do. They're hesitant. And so they're not engaging, right? It's like, in conclusion, it's almost like when Instagram first started and when people like, don't like the pic. I don't want anyone to see that, you know, <laughs> you know, that you like this pic. Go ahead and like the pic, brother. It's, it's okay. It's, it's okay to say something. No, that's, that's so <laughs> um, So I have a question. Um, Similar to what they asked, uh, but you mentioned you started off the show talking about some of the opportunities that you had that led you to this path. Um, could you speak about the importance of those opportunities, those internships, um, just going and being in the right place at the right time um, along your journey? Because I think a lot of our audience feels like there's a direct path sometimes. And I think even as scientists, we sometimes think that there's only one way of you know, getting to a solution. So how uh, can you kind of give us an example of how your path went? That's interesting because someone asked me, like I, I was basically someone, I was like, hey, I'm going to bring you X million dollars in, in revenue. And they were like, well, what's, how would you do that? And in some ways I was like, in my mind, I was a little bit like, um, you know, I know people want to see a, a roadmap, but, you know, some people are very linear and focused. Um, and it's, you know, very unlikely what you plan is going to happen directly, right? Um, it's, to me, it's more about um, putting yourself in the right spots. But, but, but to answer your question more directly, right, about me, um, it could seem like you know, now, right, oh, man, you know, at 14, I had this epiphany. Then at 18, I got my Cornell scholarship. And then at 21, I went to the United Nations. And then at 25, I went, you know, at the time, I, there was no foresight to that, right? But, but I, have, I have spent time perfecting that story, right? Right? The, like I was saying a little earlier off camera, I, you know, was a sports broadcaster in college, so I'm very comfortable speaking in this, we're all broadcasters now. Every Zoom meeting is some little broadcast, right? So, but in terms of like the scientists believing that, um, you know, it's a direct path, it's never gonna be like that because what you've read about someone's biography of how they did, 
one, that's how they did it at that time. We're no longer living in that time. And two, they're giving you a bio, which is like a quote unquote story, right? That's, you know, has a very linear um, um, way that it was given, like the Ben Carson story. You know, we've seen that documentary and, you know, like his whole life was leading up to that moment, you know, of, of, of disconnecting these two twins heads. Right. No, it wasn't. Right. He, he didn't. That wasn't his goal as a child. Um, but the, the bigger thing is, right, I do believe of putting yourself in the right spot. I would, I would end by saying, I think because I went to different conferences early, I never had a problem. Like I called the president of the team service and was like, hey, man, he saw me speak somewhere and gave me his card after I gave my speech. And after like the like getting towards the summertime, I was like, hey, man, I'm looking for an internship. Can I come intern for you? Right. So what I'm saying is if you're putting yourself in the right spots and hopefully someone just, you know, finds favor, uh, they're drawn to you, right? Then they're bringing you a part of their journey, right? For, for the more higher level things, I do believe, you know, there's always some type of gatekeeper, but if you're, and maybe make it a little bit more practical, right? Are you going to like, one virtual conference a month? Are you trying to, you know, network with someone that's kind of like three levels above you, you know, once a month? Um, are you, even in the way that you are socializing, right? Have you ever just said, hey, I want to go to the Four Seasons and buy a drink there after work for $25? Just because it's a different type of person that's going there. Not to say that they're going to be in science, right? Not at all, right? But, you know, you're just exposing yourself to a different audience when all your peers are talking to people that can't help them. It's like the blind leading the blind. Depending on, and I'll, I'll go through a little bit further, but depending on the city that you're in, right? There may be a lot of conferences and science of coming in. Maybe you can't afford to go to every conference, but can you go to the lobby and just meet people, you know, walking in and out? I've done that before. Not everything I, I want to, and I'll say this explicitly because some of the conferences that you go to, you know, they'll have these seminars where people are talking, um, but the point is not to go there and listen to people give a, a, a talk that I could have saw on YouTube. The point is to meet someone walking in the hallway and say, hey, I just want to introduce myself to you, um, you know, as we're out in the hallway, this, one, this is what exactly brought me here. I'm looking for, you know, a role in, in computational science. What's bringing you here? And just being very direct, like I'm, I'm here to, I'm here for this reason, <laughs> okay? I'm here for, what, why, why are you here today? Do you, uh, I guess as a caveat to that, <clears throat> and we briefly were talking about this uh, just a few minutes ago too, but what are some of the uh, techniques that, you know, we get this stereotype of scientists that we're very introverted people uh, and that we have trouble expressing ourselves, which is true for, you know, a great majority of us. But what are some uh, techniques that we could use to kind of overcome, you know, that if it's confidence or self-esteem or, you know, just putting together a message of what exactly you are, what you offer and what you want from that conversation? Um, 
could you help us with that or give some uh, tips for that? So yes, you can come up with a script, which I can help you with, right? So that's like your executive summary, you know, kind of like, you know, 30, 60 seconds, but also like these 20 stories that I talked about, right? So it could be your, you know, your greatest project management stories, your greatest, you know, scientific achievements, uh, greatest academic achievements, right? Um, but in terms of talking to people, right? What I did with Kofi, for example, right? And I want to give a, a practical example is, hey, I went, I went to Co with Kofi years ago, right? To this finance conference. Um, neither one of us went to work for that company, but I emailed everybody. Like I just happened, I, I happened to run across that, that old email list. And I was like, hey, let me just see what's going on with people. And from that, that's making me talk more, right? It's something I'm already good at, but you know, it's keeping it going of, hey, how are you doing? You know, this is who I am. And then you become relaxed where it's not so rigid, right? I could joke around. I could, you know, you could curse. You could make you cook. So, you know, uh, even when you're talking to somebody like, hey, what's annoying you this month? What problem, you know, you know, get emotional, right? Like you got to get people to everyone. You know, what are you annoyed by? What problem could I, you know, take off your plate? You know, who would you wish, you know, you really could get to speak to? Uh, maybe I know them, right? Um, hey, you know what? My my dream, you know, for the year is to to you know find five scientists that are you know using this particular technique that I'm trying to learn, right? You know, everyone's you know as a scientist, you're trying to learn some new technique or get access to this new equipment. You know, you know, you you got to write down your frustrations. And then go tell those to the world, right? Um, because I didn't even know Kofi did a podcast. If I didn't reach out, you know, was, I I didn't I didn't know that. Look at God. <laughs> so how do you uh, just to circle back for a second? Uh, what are some tips um, that you can provide for? Um, now that you've given us some some tips on what on what to do once you uh, kind of sort, sort out and search out people who you want to contact. Um, how do you even, you know, pick, you know, pick out who you want to contact, uh, in like a, a room full of people or, you know, out of, out of 10, um, primary, primary in, in investigators, um, like you mentioned earlier, um, you know, especially now when there could be so much info coming, coming at you, you know, even even from LinkedIn, you know, which is which is still a social media service ultimately. Um, how you kind of filter through all of your potential options to uh target your energy towards the ones that you know might be the most productive for you moving forward. Um so there are CRM systems like I, I mentioned the LinkedIn uh sales navigator, right? Then you have um, uh, systems like Pipedrive, Salesforce, YesSquare, right? That helps you manage that. Yeah, I, I reach to these people and I'll show like the last time I reached out, it could send a, a, a email blast where everyone's name is, is different. And, you know, you could add some tweaks to each, each email. Um, in terms of thinking of 
I would, I tried and what I'm, I'm still striving towards this is, you know, having 150 people that I have a really strong relationship with. That's something called Dunbar's Law, Dunbar's Law. And even this yellow, um, this yellow wristband that I'm wearing, essentially when this is from my grandmother's funeral and at her funeral, um, she had 150 people in person in, in this was in Jamaica in, in, in person. And then there was actually a Zoom like we had as well, right? This was about a year, a year ago. And um, there were 150 people on the Zoom. And to me, it was so interesting that in the, this Dunbar's law, which is a, a sociological principle, it's apparent in the physical and in the virtual that we're, you know, that we're entering, right? We can record these things. And so, you know, it can be a spreadsheet. Um, let me let me take it back. Let me, let me do one thing. Usually when I meet with somebody the first time, I will try to say like, hey, you know, can we do at least, you know, three other meetings, right? If it's going well, right? Hey, I would love to meet with you just three more times, right? Um, sometimes I'll make an act like, hey, I would love to meet with you on a monthly basis if possible, right? And these meetings don't have to have an agenda. The people that like you, that want to, you know, they have you like an energy with you, right? A lot of times it's not going to have a specific agenda. It's really about how you approach them, right? I'm like um, interested in seeing where you're, where this could go, right? And I do feel like because a lot of people have like so, everything is so rigid, like there has to be a specific, I'm trying to be nuanced with this, but everything doesn't have to be a specific act. But the first time I do reach out to someone, I, I am very specific. I want to talk to you at this time about this for 15 minutes. But then going forward, hey, I just want to catch up with you. You know, let's put it on, you know, quarterly, monthly, or whatever to keep those relationships warm. Um, What's your reaction, I guess, to what I what I just said, those tips? Yeah, that's the challenging part is keeping it warm. <laughs> I definitely wow. agree with the first part. Um, be intentional with that first meeting. But I guess uh, seven times out of ten, that second and third meeting, uh, typically, at least around the people I've interacted with, they're extremely busy and they're like, what can I do? Like, literally, what can I do for you? And it's like, you feel like you have to come prepared with a give or take versus like uh, building that relationship during that meeting. I mean, of course you can do that, but I feel like in my experience, I had to kind of come with something, a give and take type of situation, at least the first 10 minutes. And then if time, you know, try to build on that personal uh, interpersonal relationship. I do, I do recognize that as uh also, like in a science world, it's a lot about that. Like I know that's the culture. Um, but if you start to talk to people enough, you got to change people to, to address you in a different way, right? Mm. Like there's some people where I have to tell them, like, man, I don't have interrogations. I have conversations. <laughs> I'm serious. I, I like that. I like that. <laughs> I like that. I'm, I'm serious, man. Like you have to tell me like how this is how I want, you know, 
Yeah. I will, this is how I will be treated, right? So, hey, man, I don't have interrogations. I have conversations, right? Um, you know, catch up. And, and you have to also tell people, like, hey, it's nothing about, you know, I'm, I'm just giving you an update on what I'm doing. I, hey, I just want to, you know, see what's going on in your world. I'm just curious about, you know, what you're doing. You'll be surprised, right? If you change to flip the dynamic, some people just like to, they don't have, it's almost like um, getting a card in the mail that's not a bill. Mm. You know, people yeah. put up this yeah. exterior like, oh, you know, it has to be something, but um, it doesn't have to be long, right? It's just a 15 minute check-in. And on the flip side, there's people that I, I don't like, if you want to ask for something, I don't, you don't need to feel like you have to take time to build up this relationship. Sometimes we feel like, man, you know, I'm saving this relationship for three years later. They don't know that. You know, that person doesn't know that you've been waiting to do this and, and, and plotting, or they could have always just been mean and like, Hey, I, I, I don't want to help you. Right. So I'm, I'm more of a, you have to figure out what your style is, right? And I'm just pushing the envelope, you know, more with this conversation. But it's like, hey, you know, there's some people you ask, like someone who's going to help you, they're going to help you. Um, can you speak to your experiences being a Black man um, in your career path? Uh, what tips would you give to another young Black man who may have a similar interest in what you do? Um, and also, how do you facilitate some of those conversations with, like you said earlier, it may be someone who's an expert in another area like science that you may not have the expertise in, but how do you facilitate those conversations as well? Sorry for the three-part question. But. Yeah, well, the last one, uh, yeah, I, I got talked to what I remember. Um, the, 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 last, the last piece is... Um, I'll just tell them like, man, you're an expert in science or whatever that, like I'm talking to attorney. This conversation is not about science. This conversation is not about law. This conversation is not about fashion, right? This is conversation is about how we're going to present you as an expert, right? So I think you have to, when you're talking to someone, whatever their field is, you just have to acknowledge that, you know, you are good at what you do, but I'm bringing something totally else in in here, right? You know, um, and that's like dealing with, with people in general, what I'm talking about now about not getting people to be defensive, you know? Um, and then the, the whole racial component, um, I, don't, I don't even know how to answer that question so much because even myself, I'm just like, I'm, I'm doing the best that I can. Most of us, we're trying to do the best that we can. And as, as you guys are way more into the statistical analysis, right? We know what the facts are, right? We know how much the wealth gap is. I can tell you from an HR perspective, we know that, you know, a, a, a ethnic sounding name has a less chance of getting called back or someone living in this zip code has a less chance of getting a call back. Those are things that we really can't control, right? All we can do is, um, you know, really, I was questioned sometimes, like how do we don't get this hardened? 
because it's as you get older, you start to see like when at least when you're young, it's like, man, I'm just doing this. I'm trying like it's whatever. And people, you know, you have a couple of people, right? Like LS Kofi and I, like when we were at that camp, it was like, wow, it's, my, it's all these other smart, uh, you know, young, uh, diverse people here. And as you go, you know, people drop off, drop off, drop off. And um, or they go to a different field. Right. You know, um, whatever. But. I mean, that's how you what you guess what you're really asking is, like, how do you conduct yourself as an African-American a male? Um, Very well put. I guess that's, <laughs> yeah, that's a better way of uh, I guess saying it in your field. Um, can you talk about some of like the hurdles or things that you may have noticed? It may not be blatantly obvious, but I think a lot of us, uh, more to myself, are already kind of like fresh in industry and learning kind of the ins and outs of what it means to be a black man in this field and or any, you know, industrial field and the expectations or, you know, some of the things that may not have been necessarily told to us before we got here. Uh, hopefully, you know, you have family and friends that can do that. But from your side of the of your experience, what were some of the things that were key to you um, or some of the things that you may have noticed uh, along the way? Like there's some things that you, you think so, for example, when I kind of had to actually react the question to you, like, what are you really asking me? I think that's, a, you know, that might not be necessarily a minority thing, but sometimes you have to ask people, like, you know, because people are asking questions that are loaded, right? What are you really asking me? If there's one thing I would take away from this conversation is when you're talking to people is to really ask them, like, when it's ever a little fuzzy, like, what's the purpose of this question? Because that changes really how I'm going to answer if I really know what you're what you're looking for. The other thing is, you know, there are times where um, uh, my, I don't know I, there was never anything that was blatantly like. Well, let me not say that. Let me not say it's not blatantly racist. Let me not say that. But there there were things where I've had to send like letters, like, hey, like here's documentation of this person calling me stupid in emails, right? Here, here's, you know, I, would that happen to anybody else or someone saying, you know, um, like a boss said to me, like, I'm blacker than you. Like that was something verbally said in front of people, right? Um, and so, you know, I got out of that environment. I, you know, I collected my notes and, you know, move on. Um, uh, but I think more, more so, I think people have called it out to me, like, hey, like, you, there's two, I'll say, say two things. One, it's more time that somebody else will say, you know, man, you'd be, like, so much further ahead, you know, if you were, if your name was Connor or Chad, you know, some, some white, tall white dude, right, based on the qualification that you have, right? because I'm not thinking about it. I'm just playing the cards that I'm dealt, the hands I have and trying to figure out what I have to do, right? Um, and then also what I've got to the point now is where like, I have to, you do meet a, a lot of different people and it's like, um, okay, one example, I had to tell somebody, a guy, I was like, hey man, how can we, it's been great speaking to you, right? But what's the expectation out of this relationship? 
you know, you're serving like this mentor figure, right? Like from this, I would love that we do $100,000 worth of business together, right? Or you can, or you can, you know, through, you know, speaking to you that gets to there because you do have some people where it's like, they're happy to talk to some young black person or any black person, um, you know, that they don't normally speak to. Um, but after a while, how is benefiting me? And I have to remind people, right? Like how you need to treat me. So how, what's the goal for, I'm telling you, this is the goal is for this relationship, right? Because if you're talking to someone like now it's a business sense and what you guys are doing scientific business as well. So, hey, sir, ma'am, how does this relationship help me further my research? How can you help me, you know, get over the issue that I'm having with my advisor? This is not a venting conversation every time we get on the phone. How can you explicitly help me? And because to be honest, the world we live in right now, I start thinking about it a lot that we have information so much, right? So it's never an issue of information. Now it's about access and advocacy. If you're not giving me access to a new network, right? Or advocating for me to get something, then I don't want, then, well, I would say those are the, those are the people that are more important because the information is, is everywhere, right? I also had, I would say someone who, um, like we had a great conversation. Um, I went out to, to meet him um, and this is a scientist too, when I think about it, right? But um, I was like, you know what? This person had sold some, some technology I was like, you know, I just want to meet with you. Um, someone said you'd be great to meet with. Um, and we had a great breakfast. And when he took me back to the, like, to the, to the, to the airport, the conversation was going to move towards like something about race. And I said, hey, man, we've had a great breakfast, a great after, you know, morning. And I don't want to go down that path of the conversation with you. Right. This is these are these racial conversations of state of the world, whatever. I've had them before. Right. Um, to you, they might sound new, but to me, it's repetitive. I love the conversation that we were having about, you know, you furthering your goals with your business and me trying to do what I'm doing. Right. And after I said that, he was like, you know what, Alex, I want you to be my advisor. Right. And let's talk. I, he said, I asked how long should we be speaking? And like I said, once a month, he was like, no, let's speak to you every two weeks. And so sometimes we do have to show people, right, that we do have a backbone. And this is a when you're talking to someone who has a who, who also has already accomplished something, you know, it's like, hey, this is what we're talking about, because they, too, have gotten conversations where it's been not fruitful to them. And they can recognize, like, you know, they have their own different types of battles, right? Where, you know, whatever it is, right? Conversation that they just didn't want to have. And you've got to reshape their audience, right? So I said a lot because your question is so loaded, right? Um, <laughs> to be honest, the question is... My apologies. But no, I, I appreciate you taking time to do that because I think uh, as scientists sometimes in labs... Um, especially being, you know, of different ethnicities and working with different ethnicities, we run into situations where the communication hits a point of, should I address it? How do I address it? 
conflict resolution um, and even, you know, going into the industry aspect of things that happens, you know, often to us as uh, African-American men and women. So I, I appreciate you taking the time to give us some examples of how to conduct that. That's a whole nother podcast, brother. <laughs> yeah. yeah we, we might have to, <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. We might, we might definitely have to have you back for uh, um, part two. Um, so is, is there, is there anything that um, you would like to plug uh, in the last couple of minutes or anything uh, uh, on a, on a, on a lighter topic <laughs> that you would like to share uh, with our, with well, our I mean, audience? Even, even- even what we just talked about, right? It, it's yeah. all about communication because everything, like our whole conversation, right? It has nothing that like, we're trying to do our specific technical expertise job, but oftentimes we need a way to advocate more attention to them, right? Communicate to get more attention for them, right? Or to communicate to get these roadblocks out of the way, mm-hmm. right? So we're not thinking about, man, I'm going into this place and I got to worry about these people asking me these questions. You got to have like, this is just my approach to it, right? Like, I don't like this. I do like that. And I leave it like that. Like, I don't get upset with people. It's just, I just try to give people things as a matter of fact. I do like when you talk to me this way. I wish you would talk to me that way. Like, I wish we could do this, right? I never told people like, I don't, like, I really don't like stuff. I always say like, you know, this is what I expect would happen. This is what I would like to happen. But it takes it takes time to like um, build up that resistance to not get angry and shut down, or not get angry and insult people. But just to know that I'm gonna I'm gonna speak in this way. I expect this. Right over time, you're gonna realize that's me saying I'm really upset with you, but. You know, I'm saying, like, <laughs> I expect this to happen. So on, on uh, that note, how uh, can we access the um, Minuit Group services? Uh, there'll definitely be a, 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 a link in the, in the uh, show um, description. Uh, but yeah, how, how, how should we um, access what you guys are doing? So my email is A-L-E-X. M-U-I-R-1 at theminuetgroup.com. So the and minuet, M-I-N-U-E-T dot org. That's probably the best, you know, the best way. And you'll have the, you know, it written out for other people in the link. That's my email address. All right. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, so that, that would conclude uh ep- episode two season three with our very first guest uh for season three uh definitely check out season one and and season two but we're all, all uh ready off to a great start with um season three so thank you once again to our to our guest mr alex Muir. um definitely reach reach out to him via email socials um linkedin Etc. Etc. Cetera, et cetera. Et cetera, et cetera. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, follow me on, on LinkedIn, right? You can find me on LinkedIn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that'll also be in the in the uh, show and uh, on the on the podcast LinkedIn page. So stay so so stay tuned for that upon uh, release. And um, yeah, that'll that'll 
uh, wrap up episode two. Peace. Peace. Thanks for listening to For the Culture Podcast with your hosts, Ian, Kofi, and Lawrence. If you're new here, don't forget to click that subscribe button and follow us on social media. Help us grow by liking and sharing this episode with your family and friends. Hey, that's all for this episode. See you next time. change for you. You don't have to change what's outside. All you've got to change is what's inside.